0: Father, we thank you so much that you love us. And we thank you that you sent your Son to die for us. And Lord, I pray that you would help our lives to be lives that resemble the grace of God. And I pray if there be any in our midst who have not yet put their faith in Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, that they would come to you today in full assurance, Lord, and they would come and put their faith in and their trust in what you did in the finished work of Calvary. We thank you so much that you died to give us freedom. You died to give us life, and life more abundant. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, help this morning, that maybe, that Lord, that some sons who have been in bondage for years would be set free by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that your gospel would be at work, that you would challenge, that you would help us and draw us into your presence today. And Father, I pray that maybe if our hearts have become cold through just the busyness of this life and the cares of this life, that you would cause us to be rekindled in our walk with God. We thank you for what you will do. And in Christ's name, we do pray all these things. Amen. God bless you. May be seated. Just want to give you a brief greeting from the Laodema family. These are our missionaries that are um, serving over in. West Africa and they said things are going well in their church in the meeting they send us out these meetings uh, these uh, these prayer letters and we put them on the back on the wall and you'll see them there uh, some of these uh, these letters and they had a great meeting and their churches are, are going well they, they had all the churches come together. this family has started many churches and they asked that we would um, Pray that God would continue uh, to work. And they said, we're thankful God's kept them alive. God's kept meeting their needs and souls have been saved. And all God's people said, souls are saved. That's awesome. And God provided a man to be in charge of a church there that needed a pastor, Conqueror Baptist Church. And then God provided for two cars that they were able to purchase for the ministry and for uh, a man named Raphael Gage and his family, and a second for uh, Brother Fidel Himelo. And so the Lord provided the construction of three school classes, and God uh, provided for the work, and he he provided over $23,000 on the mission field for that work so they could pour the concrete and get the building up. So they thank God for providing for that. They're having an evangelism conference right now, and they're having an inaugural church service Um, on the 13th. So today, they're having an inaugural church service. They probably already finished it because they're ahead of us about 13 hours, okay? And uh, so we thank God for what he's doing over there. And he said, You may say with me, but verily God hath heard me, he hath attended to my voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me, Psalm 66, 19 through 20. And he shares here some of the things that uh, the churches have been able to do. And they have started 10 churches on the back, he just shares a little bit of the statistics about those ministries. And they also have an orphanage. And we've given at the Vacation Bible School, we raised money to give to the orphanage over there, to the children. There's a picture of that here as well. So these these photos will be in the back. And this thing, we'll put it back there, and they'll be available in the weeks to come for you to see. All right? A couple of announcements this morning. I want to make sure that we put them out here. All right? Did I go the wrong way? Oh, there we go. Okay. You're invited to Youth Night tonight, guys, 6 p.m., all the young, young people, 11 and up, welcome to come and hope you plan to be a part of that youth night right here downstairs at 6 o'clock. And we're going to have some burgers, some fries, and lots of fun. So, looking forward to a great time together. There'll be some dessert. My wife was making cookies all last night. So, there's going to be cookies. There's going to be tons of cookies. So, um, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight, youth night. And it's just a great time for us to be able to connect with the young people. And my daughter and I were even uh, out sledding yesterday. And a family that has continued to keep in touch with us, friends of ours, uh, they, they drove by and they said, oh, you're doing youth night? And they stopped. They thought I was broke down. We were there sledding, you know. And uh, they, they said, you're doing youth night? And they want to bring their young people. So we're excited about that and excited about tonight. Saturday. This Saturday, now turn to your spouse, if you're married, you've got a spouse here in the room, you look at them and you say, we're going to couples event. Turn to them right now and say it to them, we're going to the couples event, alright? Hear it? We're going to the couples event, alright dear, we're going. And so, um, sat- this Saturday at 5pm, we're looking forward to a great time together. And our youth are going to get to help with this a little bit, with serving the food. And that's going to be great. And don't worry, they won't, they won't cook it. All right? My wife and I are doing that. But uh, they will help serve it. And so we're looking forward to that. A great time together this Saturday at 5 o'clock. Get you out early enough. You say it's so early, Pastor. I know, but church is on Sunday morning. and want to get you some rest, okay? So uh, Saturday at 5 o'clock. Then uh, each Sunday, 10 a.m., we have our spiritual warfare. And that's for everybody. Welcome to come. And we've had a fantastic group down there for that. Thank you guys for being a part of that. Ladies, Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Great time together in the Word of God. If you haven't been to this yet, come check it out. My wife does a great job teaching this, and it'll be a blessing and encouragement to your heart. Uh, This morning, we're going to go to Acts and chapter 11. Acts and chapter 11. Maybe some, I think a lot of you are still in the age or the stage of life. Several of you are. In which the children wake you up and keep you up all night. All right, and uh, it's been that way for a while in our house recently. My girls got in the habit of waking up in the middle of the night, and uh, one wakes up, and then the other one wakes up the other one, and then the baby wakes up, and so we just have a great time all night long, waking up every 45 minutes, and they decide, of course, to do that on Saturday nights. That's usually the time it happens the most, and so we had a great night last night, and. Hope you got a little bit of sleep. My wife got the least out of all of us, and uh, it is great to be in the Lord's house, so wide awake, alert. And if my wife sees you here nodding off over here, you'll know what happened. And it was, it was an, a sleepless night. It's been that way for a few days now. But um, the, the the child will finish teething soon. All right, one of these days. All right, Acts chapter eleven. Look if you would with me, beginning in verse fifteen. It says, And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell upon them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as... I I got ahead of myself, okay? Uh, You should be baptized with the Holy Ghost and... Where did I lost my? Okay, there we go. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as He did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, "Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted." Look at this phrase. Let's say it together: repentance unto life. Repentance is not a bad thing. It leads to life. Verse 19, Now when they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them which were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. The phrase turned unto the Lord is exactly the same meaning as the phrase repent. To repent is to turn. And it says, and the hand of the Lord was with them. Okay, they turned in verse 22. And the tidings, then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. Verse 22, let's read that verse, that first phrase in the verse. Ready, begin. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. Every church has got some ears. The title of the message, the ears of the church. Every church has got some ears. And the Bible tells us in this passage that some things came to the ears of the church. Some news. Don't you like hearing good news? Don't get the newspaper. And definitely don't get the post star if you want to get good news, all right? <laughs> Man, if it ain't negative, they don't put it in there. You'd have thought the whole world had disappeared, according to them. Uh, they have forgotten much. But, uh, and forgive me if I offended somebody who maybe works there or knows somebody that works there, okay? But let's just be honest. It's quite negative, all right? Quite negative, And most newspapers are quite negative. There's a lot of negativity. Uh, The ears of the church here in this passage, though, heard some good things. It says, the tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church. I think of in the Bible when Jesus was born. And the angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good tidings... Of great joy, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Good tidings are great things to hear. I love hearing good things. Don't you like hearing it? Uh, When they actually fix the problem on your car, it's good tidings, all right? And it's either better tidings, it's even better tidings when you get them to drop the bill by $107 because they misquoted you, all right? And that was really good tidings uh, when I got that to be taken care of last week. Um, Nothing like when you go to the dealership and they say, oh, by the way, this is how much it's going to cost, and then you get the bill. and it's all, I'm like, probably it was the computer glitched. Uh, it probably just threw a code in there, and she's like, oh, it probably was, and then she fixed it, and automatically my bill dropped by $107 because I said something. Um, it's kind of interesting. I, I, don't, I like hearing good tidings, and I liked it when I saw the good tidings when it was actually exactly what I was quoted, good tidings. Um, friend, we all get tidings. What kind of good tidings have you heard recently? We all get news. Remember the old party line you used to have on the phone? Some of you guys used to live during that age. I didn't, okay? (laughs) But I've heard about it. Now, the party line, something else happened on there. Help me. What happened on that line? A lot of what? Gossip. Gossip. (laughs) Ears were listening, right? I mean, a lot of people kind of ring, ring. Oh, I know it probably went for the neighbor, but let me hear what they're talking about, right? Did you hear? They just got a new goat. Okay, you know, whatever. I mean, they're hearing little things, right? And, uh, oh, did you hear their child just graduated from college? Whatever. Uh, they were listening in on everything. We all are listening for something. And we live in the Internet age, and in the age of instant communication. And often before something even hits the newspaper, you might have already heard about it through some other source. I mean, information travels so quickly today. And we live in this digital age. We're hearing tidings all the time. We're hearing news all the time. We're hearing information. But the Bible tells us that this church heard of some good things that had happened. It says the tidings of these things came into the ears of the church. By the way, the direction of the church is determined often by what they are listening to. And sometimes the ears of the church are listening to things they ought not to be listening to. When the ears of the church are hearing good things and things like we're going to find out in this text that were happening and the ears of the church are inclined to hear the good news and the ears of the the church are inclined to do things that are pleasing to God, great things happen. We're going to see what they did. The church exists for the proclamation of the gospel. God's commanded us to grow in grace, as 1 Peter teaches us, and the, identifi- and the edification of the saved. So the saved progress by growing in grace. Grace is not knowledge. It's receiving the undeserved favor of God. And this morning as we look into this passage and look at the ears of the church, we're going to see two things that this church heard about, and it changed the church and what they did. First, in verse 18, it says, They heard of the Gentiles Repentance. Verse 18. And when they had, look what it says, heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, God, hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. You've got to understand, these people were Jewish, and they didn't want the Gentiles to get saved. And they had heard about how Peter had gone and preached to some other people. And they had an issue with Peter. Peter, why did you go talk to those men at Cornelius' house? Peter says, you want me to recount to you the vision that happened? I mean, if you had a sheep descend in a dream with all these types of weird animals that you know, according to Levitical law, you're not supposed to eat, and God says you got to eat those. Now, it's a dream. Wouldn't you kind of decide to do whatever God told you to do? And after that, God said, and by the way, the interpretation, go talk to the Gentiles. Now, he was pretty much against it, but God told him to do it, so he went and did it. Now, these other people had not seen the dream. They had not seen the vision, so he had to recount to them all the things that he had seen and how God had worked. And specifically, he says, speaking about what had happened, he says in verse 15, As I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. Upon who? The people that he had been sent to speak to in Cornelius' house in Caesarea. He says, I spake to them. And he says, the spirit of God fell upon them as on us at the beginning. He says, don't you remember? Don't you remember when you got saved? He said it was a glorious thing. God awoke in your conscience. He woke you up and you discerned things and you saw things in a different way. Don't you remember when you put your faith in Christ? He says, that's the same thing that happened to these believers. And he says, I know you guys don't like them, this, this race of people. But he said, they got the same thing you got. And they said, okay, all right. Now it says when they heard that, they held their peace in verse 18 and glorified God. So they're criticizing Peter for his ministry, but they quickly turned to glorifying God because they saw that it was God at work. Then it says, they said, God hath also To the Gentiles, granted repentance unto life. It is a glorious thing when God causes somebody to repent. And all God's people said, man, it's God at work, okay? When God causes somebody to leave their sinful living and come and follow the Savior, it is a glorious thing. And they heard that the Gentiles had left their false gods to come and serve the true and living God. And they were excited about it because they knew how wicked and how vile and how evil these people were. Repentance leads to life. It's a glorious thing when you hear of somebody who repented. It's even a more glorious thing when you hear of a whole group of souls that has turned from sin to the Savior. You know, every church is listening to something. Every church is hearing something. And what would happen if we heard and shared the good news of souls being saved? What would happen if we shared that? You say, but who led them to Christ? How did they get saved? Why don't they... Did they get saved? Did they repent? We get so hung up on the details that we sometimes fail to recognize that in the early church day, this was just when the Spirit of God was descending. They were just, they had not received the whole counsel of the Word of God that we have today, it had not yet been written. But they had the doctrine of. ...of the apostles, and they taught repentance and faith toward Jesus Christ. And these people got it, and they got saved. They got saved. By the way, the book of Revelation had not yet been written, but they still got saved. Okay, (laughs) They didn't have a great understanding of every single thing that was going to transpire in the end. But they still got saved. God granted to them repentance unto life... Without doubt, Jesus is coming soon and souls are getting serious about the master. So many people have recounted to me, at least five, in the last two weeks, have told me or my wife that they had a dream or vision about the end times. I'm praying God gives a few more people dreams and visions about the end times. Because when you see what's coming... It causes us to flee to the master. It causes us to repent and turn from everything else that's holding us back. And when these believers heard, these people heard and they believed, they heard that they heard the gospel and they believed, and God granted them repentance. The Bible tells us um, that they were baptized. you see that they were baptized, and the Holy Ghost had fallen upon them. But look at what else happened. As soon as that transpired, something else happened. They got saved, people got saved, and then verse 19, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveling as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus of Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. It says, Now they which were scattered abroad. Persecution came up after Stephen had been killed. And now this persecution arises, and by the way, who's doing the persecuting? It's Paul. Who God's going to use later to minister to the Gentiles, but Paul's persecuting the Jews. You ever wonder if God might have used Paul to stir up the Jews, and by the persecution, if it wouldn't have been for that persecution, the church might have never grown? I truly believe the church might have never gone on had it not experienced persecution it is a, in many ways a blessing, the slight forms of persecution that people are experiencing and seeing today. Because it is causing people to realize that the Bible is real and it's true. When you start seeing a little bit of persecution happen, and my friend, persecution happens, and it happens sometimes even of Christians upon Christians, persecution transpires. Whenever you see God doing a work, make no doubt Persecution will come. And they were scattered abroad because of the persecution. And they're traveling about. The Bible says they wind up at this city called Antioch, and they're preaching the word to the Jews only there. But then it says in verse 20, And some of them, the men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. So now they start speaking to the people that are Greeks. They're going through a language barrier. They're communicating the gospel to them. These are Hellenist Greeks who would have worshipped false gods. And it's very clear that they were tied up in their own religion. And they needed a relationship with Jesus Christ. So they heard not only of the Gentiles' repentance, but this church at Jerusalem also heard. And by the way, every church is listening to something Uh, and every church is sharing something. Every church is listening to something, and every church is sharing something. Don't share gossip. Uh, Too many people will leave their church today after this Sunday. Uh, morning worship, and across the United States they will leave church and they will call or write or gossip to somebody about something about church. They'll say, did you hear so-and-so did this or that? And so every church is listening to something. What we ought to do is we ought to be sharing the glorious news of the gospel. We ought to be sharing, hey, somebody got saved. Hey, somebody got stirred up about God, and that's what we ought to be talking about. Everyone is sharing something. And by the way, you share about people getting saved and getting right with God, and something contagious happens. They heard also that the Grecians turned to Christ. Look at this group of people. So the Gentiles came and put their faith in Christ. You say the the Grecians, Gentiles as well? Yes. But you look in this passage, it's mentioning twice. It's mentioning once this group of people Peter speaks of that he goes and speaks to down at Caesarea. And then now we see at Antioch the same thing happens. It says in verse 21, The hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. The world would want us to be satisfied and Satan would want us to be satisfied with simply filling a building. The Lord is not impressed if we only fill the building. What encourages my heart is the amount of you right now that are seeking God. Seriously seeking God. It encourages me. Because the growth of the church is a group of people that are seeking God, following God. Hey, when we have a memory verse challenge, it encourages my heart when you try to memorize the verse. Why? Because you're seeking and following and searching and growing. Now they heard that the Grecians turned to Christ. And what church is hearing this? The church at Jerusalem. It says a great number turned to the Lord. Then it says in verse 22, Then tidings of these things came unto the, what does it say? Ears of the church. What are your ears going to be listening to this week? A lot of people will call on the phone this week and they'll complain about church. But I wonder when the last time is that they helped somebody who was leading souls to Christ. They will complain. There's just not any good churches around here. You know what? Every good church is filled with people who are seeking God and loving God and following his word with all of their heart. When they heard the news, the church had a response. Tidings of these things came to the ears of the church. They heard the Grecians got saved, but they didn't just say, Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so glad the Grecians got saved. Now let's just keep working Eight to five over here, and we'll just get through another week. Friday's coming. The weekend's coming. I wonder if we should go to church or not, All right? You know, that's our American culture. Um, they didn't do that. They heard the news, and look at what they did. They sent forth Barnabas. Now, Barnabas was a man who was from Cyprus. Barnabas was a man who understood this city and this area. And they sent a man who understood these people to minister to these people. That's an intelligent church. But they sent one of their best to go help and reach. When God sends you and God calls you and you put your faith in Christ... He gives you a mission. He gives you a purpose. And it ought to be a normal thing that we ought to see people come out of this this church. Young people get called to the ministry and go serve Jesus Christ with their whole life. You've got a life before you, young people. And it's not just for getting a better career. Anybody can go work a job. Anybody can go learn a trade. Anybody can go get a career around here. Anybody. There are jobs to be had. You could pick any job under the sun right now you could do it. They're everybody's hiring because nobody wants to work. My friends, but I tell you, there's a lot of churches that don't have pastors right now. There's a lot of mission fields that don't have anybody preaching the gospel there right now. And you could be a Barnabas that God could be calling to send forth. And they sent forth Barnabas where? Where? that he should go as far as Antioch. I'm going to show you what Barnabas did because it's great. Look in verse 23 with me. This is just a beautiful thing. So that church hears good news. They heard the Grecians turn to Christ. They send one of their best. They weren't content with just hearing the Grecians got saved. And in verse 23, who, when he came, Barnabas shows up and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. My job has been done well if you cleave to the Lord. You realize the pastor's job is not just to preach a sermon on Sunday, but to seek to inspire the people to seek God during the week. That's my job. It's a very tricky job. It's not a job like any other job. I'm trying to inspire you to seek God during the week. And I'm trying to myself deepen my own walk with God. If that was easy, everybody else would be doing it, right? Everybody would be doing it. Um, And by no means have I perfected that. But you see, Barnabas gets to this city. And he doesn't just teach the church information. Did he start a Bible seminary? No. Did he teach through... A book of the Bible about more information. No. He exhorted them that they with purpose of heart would do what? Let's say the phrase together: Cleave unto the Lord. He says, if you would, you say, what does that mean? To stick to God? To stick. When a man gets married to his wife, they are joined together in holy matrimony. And the same word is used to describe the marriage, the union between a husband and wife, the togetherness. And he says, when we're together with the Lord, we cleave to the Lord. Verse 24 describes Barnabas. For he was a, what does it say? What kind of man? man. And he was also, it says, full of the Holy Holy Ghost. And it says, and of Faith. faith. So here Barnabas shows up at the church. By the way, they already heard the tidings that people were getting saved and many had turned to the Lord. But because Barnabas shows up, and Barnabas shows up as a man who is a good man, full of God's spirit and full of faith, the result and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass the whole year they assembled themselves with the, with, the, with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. I want you to think about this. Because they heard. The church heard. The church responded. The church heard and so the church sent their best. Now Peter had heard the news and Peter had preached to the Gentiles. Now these believers hear the gospel and the Grecians turn to Christ. And I submit to you that every town simply needs a good man of God, full of faith and the spirit of God. Every town, and I I showed this phrase to my wife and she says, don't they need more than one? I said, yes, they do. But what could God do with just one man, one woman, fully Surrendered to God, full of faith, full of the Spirit of God. It's an exciting time period for us right now at church, okay? We've had a lot of fun over the last few weeks. Put a lot of miles under our belts, right? Literally, right, guys? We go down, we get these pews, we come back, we put them in, you know, work, 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 work. And when I was describing all this to somebody, we were talking about it. They just told me to say, Pastor, one person just, you just shouldn't do it all. We, we, just, we just shouldn't do it. I just, if I was, if it was up to you, we just wouldn't do a couples event. We wouldn't do this, we wouldn't do that. I'm like, we got to do it. We can't not do the couples event. By the way, the reason the couples event didn't happen yesterday and it happened the 19th is to give everybody a little bit of a recovery. All right, um, But we got a lot of things that are coming down the pike. Okay, We're having a youth night tonight. But all these events don't make it a spiritual church. We want to be a place where there's not only a good man, but there are many good men. All right. Why don't you set your goal, dear, dear man? To be a good man of God, full of. Everybody say this phrase together with me. This word right here. What's this word? And that word right there is Missing. What did Jesus say about the generation he, he preached to? He said they were a faithless generation. Every church, every town needs good men of God who are full of faith and of the Spirit of God. Our homes need it. Don't, and, and wives, don't you need your husband to be full of faith? If you, if you need your husband to be full of faith, would you say amen? amen? Okay? You need it. All right? Men, we got to be filled with faith. And sometimes the women got more faith than we got, okay? And we ought to make sure that we're filled with faith and then of the Spirit of God. We all need it. Every town needs it. Uh, When when we walk around this town this week, people do not need our eloquence. People do not need our information. People do not need uh, us to just do some goodwill to them. People need a good man, a good woman, a godly woman, a godly man... Full of faith. So when we're at the hardware store, when we're communicating with the people, that faith is what exudes from our life. And then full of the Spirit of God. What would happen if we had that? Wouldn't it transform our society? Wouldn't it transform our community? My friends, I submit to you one of the reasons we do not have that. It could be because there has truly been a lack of salvation. See, Barnabas saw the grace of God, and he saw that salvation and becoming holy were made possible by the grace of God. Verse 23, look at the phrase. It says that. Who, when he came, speaking of Barnabas, and had seen that there were a lot of nice people there. Look at what he says he saw. He saw there were some people he liked. He saw the grace of God, okay? We're all so different in here. That's great. When you see the grace of God working in your neighbor's life, when you see the grace of God working in your life, when you see the grace of God working in your child's life, amen? The grace of God working in your child's life, and all God's people said, amen. man, God's got to work in our children's lives. So they need the grace of God. Um, it's not just them being raised in a Christian home. It's them being raised in a home that, where the grace of God is flowing, the grace of God is flowing. We're all listening for something, my friend. And I ask you today, what are you listening for? What are you listening for? This town needs good men and good women who are full of faith. The result was that Paul then returned and they trained these disciples. And the Christians were raised up and they were called Christians, Christ followers in Antioch. The church was known... For the disciples that truly followed Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Look over in chapter 16 of Acts. Chapter 16, and join me if you would in verse 25. Now, Paul has, we've seen, preached in Antioch. But now, Paul goes and he's serving God and he gets locked up in jail. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. Would you really like to be in prison for your faith? I don't think, the thought does not amuse me, it it doesn't excite me, but I realize it is a reality. You say, oh, don't discourage me. My friend, you just need to look a little bit north to Canada, just a few hours north of here, and you need to see the kind of things that are happening to those pastors. And you say it's all about a mandate or all about this or that. No, it is not. The cases can be completely down, but they, if the government says the church can't be open, the church can't be open. And that's the reality of it. It has nothing to do with the virus. It has everything to do with control and removing the faith. And once we realize that and we see it for what it is, as those pastors in Canada have seen... I mean, they got a church of a thousand people, they're all meeting and nobody gets sick. All right? Uh, they, just, they just, people are so brainwashed, and the society has truly brainwashed people. But these pastors were being chased down by the police, dragged out of their car, dragged down the interstate on their way driving, simply for driving to their church building on Sunday morning. You think that's not coming here? We're very close. We're very close. I don't mean I don't say that to discourage you. I say that to encourage you, my friend. When persecution comes, people get more serious about God. And and you know what? I don't know about you, but Brother John. I want people to get more serious about God. Okay? Um, I I don't like to be uh, just around a bunch of people who are kind of like, well, I like Jesus. I love Jesus. But I don't know if I've I don't know if I I want to follow Him right now. I think I'll follow Jesus later. Um, it's kind of like a menu at a restaurant. You just uh, I. Right now, I'll pass. I'm good. I'm good. Isn't that the way our society is about Jesus? And even Christians have that attitude towards faith. No, my friend, when they were in jail, they praised God. And if we're spirit-filled, I think when we get to that place, may the Lord spare us from it, but I think it's coming. It says, suddenly there was a great earthquake. Now, when you get to that place, should God allow some of us to be there? Wouldn't this be great? Don't you believe God could answer prayer? Don't you believe God answers prayer? Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. It's just like the atheist who was preaching in the classroom and said, you know what? We are in a place right now, friends, in this classroom where there can be no earthquake. This area, because of the tectonic plates and all this, you know, there will never be an earthquake right here. The very next day there was a massive earthquake right in that town. I believe you were telling me that story, weren't you? And uh, it was just crazy, crazy. Um, you know, you try to mess with God, and God's gonna mess with you. Okay? <laughs> and he thought he was gonna. the next day in the class, some people, one of the kids put up the hand. Um, teacher, how about yesterday? Um, there, there wasn't supposed to be an earthquake here. He, he just. Uh, Let's get back onto on class. Let's get back onto things. My friends, you realize that God's in control of all things. And you see here, as they praised God. And by the way, oftentimes we're praying for our kids to get saved. We're praying for people to get saved. We forget to praise God. Praise God for what he's going to do. The keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had fled. He is going to commit suicide, but he soon finds out that Paul is right there with all the prisoners. They haven't ran away. My friend, if you were praising God all night and singing in prison, locked up, and the doors shake down, you say, But that's great, Pastor, let's just run out of here. That's a great time to preach. (laughs) Nobody else has been in prison singing. These prisoners have been hearing them praise God all night. Now God just did something. What a great time for them to get converted, and they got converted. Now a lot of people draw a conclusion from this passage and they say this supports infant baptism. Look at the passage carefully. There's not one mention of that. It says in verse uh, 30, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, what do we got to do? Simply, what did he say? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ today... You need to call upon his name. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Salvation is believing, putting our faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In verse 32, it says, And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. Now, do you notice any ages of any children in there? Is there any ages mentioned? And the answer is no. All right. And he took them the same night, the same hour of the night... And wash their stripes. So now you, you say, what did they wash off of them? The apostles had just been beaten. They were bloody. So the jailer takes the time to clean up the preachers before the preachers baptize him. Pretty cool. So Paul and Silas, they get the blood washed off of their bodies. And by the way, don't you think they were probably in a lot of pain right then? The average American would have been like... I I, I don't know if I feel like having a baptism today. You know, I mean that's (laughs) that's the way our culture is, so so lazy. But these apostles had just been beaten, and now they get cleansed themselves. It says, "Now the jailer and was baptized; he and all his straightway." You say, "So who got baptized? All his house." Did it say how old his kids were? No. There's nowhere in the Bible infant was baptized. Never once in the Bible did it happen. It says as many as believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in, in Acts, he talks about clearly, and uh, in, in, in Matthew, about the baptism happening after salvation. Uh, Is my little baby old enough to understand the gospel yet? No. And by the way, in the Bible, did they ever baptize a baby by throwing a little bit of water on it? I mean, there's not one occasion in the Bible, not one time, where you can find they sprinkled water on a baby. But yet in in many places it's taught today, right? Um, You say, but what if somebody's afraid of the water? It says all his house got baptized. Can you imagine that? They just heard about it. They get baptized. It says, and when he had brought them out of his house, he set meat before them, and what happened? He rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Now, I tell you, there's joy when people get saved. Every town needs somebody to proclaim the gospel that people might be saved, and God might be calling you to do that. Every town needs a good man full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people will be added to the Lord. See, the church is going to hear something. What if the church heard of the Gentiles getting saved? What if the church heard of those in Hartford? Those in Whitehall? Those in Wells? Those right here in Granville? And as people like to ask me when they come visit, why is there a North Granville, East Granville, West Granville, South Granville... I'm like, I don't know, I guess they were just having fun naming things. Um, (laughs) But all the people in all those areas, and in Granville, I mean Comstock, okay? I mean, it's just right here, okay? But in in Comstock, there's not even a village store, but that's Comstock, okay? Um, In Fort Ann. What if they heard tidings, people getting saved? What if in each town, they heard tidings. It ought to change the town. Wouldn't you think it would change the town, the community? And don't you think it kind of shook up the government in this place when they found out that the man who kept the jail got baptized into the very faith that he was imprisoning people for having? (laughs) You think about that. The apostles, they're like, like, don't preach in Jesus' name, we're going to beat you up. They throw him in jail. The whole jail... ...shakes a part through the praises of God... ...and all the people there get saved. Imagine trying to explain that one away to the local government. Fact checker would have had a little bit of trouble on that one. Just like they're having a lot of trouble today. My friend, you cannot disprove what God does... ...because God continues to prove it. It says the next day in verse 35... ...the magistrate sends the sergeant saying, "...let these men go." And the keeper of the prison told the things to Paul, saying to Paul, And the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. They let them out. Thank God for that. And Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words to the magistrates, and they feared when they heard they were Romans. And they besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of their city. And when they went out of the prison, they entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. My friends, I tell you, God has a way of working. And we need to believe him to work. And it might mean that some trouble might come. But we need to believe God to work. The result of this whole passage is that people got saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you need to call upon him today. You need to come to him like I did as a young child. And when I was a young child, at the age of five, I had prayed a prayer to trust Jesus. I thought, you know, my mom told me I was saved, so I thought I was saved. My mom put a picture up on the wall, and it was right in the bedroom there. And my mom had a picture of when I prayed to trust Jesus, and it was a picture of me kneeling down. And the truth of the matter is, I grew up and I didn't really remember that occasion. I just remember my mom told me that's when I got saved. And Dr. Tom Farrell, who went to be with the Lord last year, was preaching a sermon on hell. He's a, he was called Double Barrel Farrell because he preached so fast and so hard. And he preached on hell. And I heard that message, and I knew of hell. I knew the Bible. I had read the Bible. But I realized that I had not put my faith in the Savior, who is Jesus Christ. And I had a bunch of religion, but I had no relationship with Christ. And when I heard... That message, the Lord convicted me that I was a sinner and that if I was to die, I was going to go to hell because my sins had separated me from God. It is appointed unto man once to die, the Bible says, and after this, the judgment in Hebrews 9. And I was appointed to death. I had an appointment with death and I realized that I was going to encounter God, a holy God, a perfect God, and I was a sinner and I was living like a sinner. You say, were you doing lots of bad sinful things? Isn't rebellion as the sin of witchcraft? Okay, I was rebellious to my parents. That's, uh, you only got to say one snide word to your parents. You only got to roll your eye to your parents to have a little bit of rebellion. And I had rebellion in my heart, and God convicted me of that and how I was a sinner, and I needed savior. And when God convicts you that you're a sinner and you're on your way to hell, and nothing, my friend, can save you except the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. Blood of Jesus Christ, his son, the Bible says, cleanseth us from all sin. I came to a place where I realized, man, I'm a sinner, and I'm on my way to hell. You say, everybody's going to heaven. All you got to do is do good deeds to go to heaven. No. If you could do good deeds to get to heaven, then why did Jesus have to come and die? Jesus came and died because there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that feareth God. He says they've all departed out of the way. They've become an Abomination. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The payment for our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I realized that I was a sinner on my way to hell. You say, but you've been in church all your life. Yep, I've been in church ever since I was a baby three times a week. But that did not make me a saint. I was just as much of a sinner. I was just an educated sinner. And see, the problem today sometimes is we might be educated, but we might not yet have put our faith in Jesus Christ. By the way, when we come to put our faith in Jesus Christ, there's a transformation. And I remember that night, I was embarrassed, I was shy. <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm kind of bold and outspoken, but I was shy because I knew that everybody was going to see me walk forward in front of 300 of young people from my church. It was a big church. And I was going to come forward and pray and trust Christ and I was afraid of what they were going to think about me because they knew that I was, you know, a good kid. And I was embarrassed. But I remember facing my fears and pushing. My dad was right there beside me. I said, hey, I need to get by you. My brother came on out with me, and we both trusted Christ that night. August 17th of 2000. We trusted Christ, and we put our faith in Christ that night. And I remember I went off to another room, and a a gentleman... Who, by the way, I don't know his name. God knows his name. I went back to that prayer event many times to try to get that man's name. I never found his name. I don't know who it was. But God does. I remember trusting Christ that night. You say, how did you know you were saved? I'll tell you, the next few years I doubted a lot. There was a new desire in my heart. The Spirit of God gave me new desires. When I opened the Bible, it was like I was opening a new book. And I had read it many times before then. It was like it was a new book. And it was... By the way, when you put your faith in Christ, he illuminates your mind. The Holy Spirit gives you illumination. And God began to open my mind up on August 13th of that year. My family, we had gone to Maine for a short while, and we came back to the church. And, I, trust, and I, I asked the pastor, I said, I want to come forward and tell the people that I was living a hypocrisy, and I was not saved, and I want to get baptized. And I came forward, and I got baptized. My friend, I had already been baptized once as an unbeliever. And I had not yet put my faith in Christ. And I remember God began to work in my heart and change things in my life. You see in this passage we've read, they heard the word of God. Tidings came to the ears of the church that what happened? So people got saved and then they got baptized. And God wants to work and he wants to see people get saved and get baptized. Many of you in this room, you have not yet trusted Christ. You need to get saved and baptized. Baptism won't get you to heaven Baptism is identification with the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And you identify with his death, burial, and resurrection by getting baptized. My friend, it is a beautiful thing to get saved. Putting your faith in the fact that he died and was buried and he rose again. Putting your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, which cleanseth us from all sins. I challenge you today, if you've not yet put your faith in Christ, to do it. And my friend, if you are sitting here and you say, Pastor, I already did that. The Bible says, search yourselves. ...to see whether you be in the faith. Would you examine yourself? Would you examine yourself? Adrian Rogers, a preacher who is well-known... ...who preached much and A.W. Tozer preached much. Well-known preachers. They said they believed. Now, by the way, this is a church they had pastored for years. Large church. He believed that 80% of the people in his congregation... ...had not yet been saved. You say that is so harsh... That's what he said about his congregation that he had discipled and mentored for decades. He said, that was so harsh for him to have said that. You know why? He was concerned because there was only evidence of salvation in about 20% of his congregation. The rest acted, lived like, looked like the world. The rest thought like, behaved like, had had an attitude like the world. The rest were stubborn like the world. And he was concerned for their souls. He wanted them to be in heaven with him. My friend, if you have not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, it is not simply praying a prayer that gets you into heaven. It's coming to Jesus and surrendering like the thief on the cross. Lord, remember me. Lord, I don't deserve anything. Lord, I call upon your name. I forsake my sin and trust the Savior. And My friend, God will give you the power to forgive. God will give you the power to get cleaned up. God will give you the power to become a child of God. That power comes through the Holy Spirit of God. If you've not yet put your faith in Christ, you need to do it. Call upon the name of the Lord. You can go a lot of places. You can hear a lot of things. My friend, the greatest news you will ever hear is that Jesus died for you. He was buried and he rose again. And you put your faith and trust in that and God begins to transform everything in your life. God wants to transform your life. He wants to give you victory. He He wants the world to see the salt and the light that only God can give and i believe in god that we might see souls get saved, we might see people get baptized, we might see people get converted even in this place. Maybe you've been around believers before and they might say, "Well, you know what? It's just the end times. Not many people are going to get saved." Have you ever heard that? That's a lethargy in mindset. You might hear somebody say, "Oh, somebody's got a goal. They want to see 5 people get saved." They're in too much of a hurry. 5 people That's a small request. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I believe God wants to see 500 people in this town get saved. I believe God wants to see thousands of people in this community get saved. Don't you? And all God's people said, God wants to see them get saved. Let's have a burden for it. And maybe this morning you've not yet trusted in Christ. And you need to put your faith in Christ. And then, my friend, when you leave this week, would you go tell somebody else? about what God did, and you say, well, pastor, it's been a long time since I've seen anybody get saved like this. Well, then why don't you tell them what God did back then? And why don't you tell them in faith, believing God's going to do it again? Okay? If we don't have a story to tell right now of God doing something, talk about how he did it in the past. Talk about how he did it in the Word of God. And by the way, he's going to do it again. We're believing him to work. We're believing him for souls to be saved. Let's bow together for prayer and stand in this moment of invitation. We're going to believe God to work and ask God to encourage our hearts. We might seek Him, we might follow Him. We search for Him with all our heart. Father, you see our hearts this morning. You know our hearts. You said, I the Lord try the hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would search us. As David said, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, if there be any wicked way in any of our hearts, and Lord, wicked is a tough word, but Father, we all deal with it. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, that if there be any wicked way, that we would let you cleanse it, we would let you purify it. And I pray if there be any in our midst who have not yet put their faith in Christ, pray for those who have not yet been saved, that they would put their faith in Jesus, who is the way, the truth and the life. They would call upon your name. We ask you to work right now. We ask you to convict. We ask you to change us that we might leave having said it was good to meet with the Lord. Speak to us right now we pray. As the piano begins to play, maybe you're right here in your seat and you're standing there and you just say Pastor Dan with you. I just say you know what as a as a Christ follower, as a Christian I want to be a light for Jesus. I want to take the gospel to somebody else and I want to tell the good tidings this week and I want to listen to good tidings this week. And that's what you desire. And with me, you'd lift your hand as a Christian. You'd say, I want to hear and tell good tidings this week. Amen. I want to hear and tell good tidings. Anyone else? I want to hear and tell good tidings this week. My friends, a lot of problems in our churches. We've got a lot of gossip going on. And, and not much good news. Maybe you're here this morning with your heads bowed and eyes closed. You just say, you know what, Pastor Dan, truth be told, I'm not sure I'm in the family of God. I'm not going to embarrass you and I, I won't call you out by the pul- from the pulpit. I just want to know who to pray for and this week to remember you in prayer. But maybe you would just be honest with me and you'd be honest with the Lord and you just say, you know what, truth be told, Pastor Dan, I don't know if I'm saved And the truth is, I'm not sure if I know Jesus as my savior. I'm not sure I'd go to heaven if I died. I I want to know, but I don't know. That's me. Would you lift your hand to the God that sees and knows? I don't know. Anyone else like that? I don't know. No one looking around. God sees your heart. Be honest with God. I don't know. My friend, the first time I was asked to raise my hand in church like this, I was so nervous. I gripped on that pew like I was going to hold it. And my friend, uh, I tell you, appearing before God on Judgment Day is going to be far greater than appearing in some church service, okay? You be honest with God. If your heart, you need Christ, you come seek me out this week. We want you to put your faith in Christ. God's speaking to you. Don't resist His Holy Spirit. This morning, we're going to close out the live stream, but as as we now have a little time to respond... Maybe you would come forward and you just pray and ask God to help you to be that good man, that good woman that lets the light of the gospel go into the community. You would ask God to use you this week to be full of faith and full of the Spirit of God. If that's your prayer, you want to be a good per- a good, godly person, full of the faith and full of the Spirit of God, would you come forward and would you pray and ask God to help you to do that? Would you pray and ask God to help you to do that? We need His power to do that. Would you come and ask him to help you to do that, that we might win our community to Jesus Christ? I invite you to come forward and pray and seek the Lord. I invite you to seek the Lord in your seats, however the Lord might lead you. come say you know what i lord i want to be godly i want to please you i want to make a difference would you respond to him would you seek him find a place on your knees at your seat or at the altar seek god singing along with us, search.